2: And welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you?
3: Uh, doing good, Shad.
0: I'm doing good. I seem to have survived um, rain again 2021. <laughs> the deluge. Yes.
2: All right. We want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us.
0: I want to Make say, it. though, that when you're listening to this, I will be sitting on a beach in the Carolinas not thinking about this podcast. <laughs> in the Carolinas. I'll be celebrating uh, I'll be celebrating the Joey Janella life with a, a white claw probably. Yeah, <laughs> <a> spicy water.
3: <laughs> oh, spicy water.
0: <laughs> what is this? Danhausen was supposed to be number 1.
2: I love that Danhausen.
0: I like him explaining <laughs> how how using so like teeth is not breaking the rules.
2: I adore that like it is it is it is brilliant <laughs> I love it so much <laughs> you've got to go you've got to go find Dan Housen explaining it because I'm
0: not going to do it justice. you know his YouTube channel his YouTube channel is really good I know it's gotten bigger the last year but just even like him doing like action figure stuff
2: yeah. Him doing anything. He had a he had a video where he had a a like a few stacks of cash and he was like, Yes, we are rich now. We are going to Burger
0: King. Get your stuff. Everybody whoppers. I like,
1: what the hell?
2: But it's so damn funny.
0: Even the channel name though is a callback to nineteen eighty nine Batman. Just love that Danhausen, which is from the yeah. Joker commercial. Like he does a and I also like do this or I'll curse you. Yes.
2: They will be cursed. Um, very evil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Watching Dan Helsin' is such a joy. Mm-hmm.
0: He even won Jim Cornette over. That's That's how good he is.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. So... Uh-huh. we want to get our shout outs taken care of here at the beginning because that's what we do. The first one's gonna to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. That is collar and elbow brand dot com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C and Corners Capital P and podcast. Save ten percent off your order. They are still selling the beautiful Bobby Eaton shirts. Proceeds go to Bobby Eaton's. They've been really good about um, uh, wrestlers that have passed away doing doing shirts for those wrestlers and then and then sending the proceeds on to the families. They've they've been doing really well with that, and I, I got to say, like I we started talking about them on this program because their shirts are are really comfortable. They're usually like really tasteful and well done and that sort of stuff. But then you just add in the fact that they're doing this sort of thing. No one's asking them to. But oh, that I just was, really I, puts him over the top.
0: That's a really nice way to say we're whores. <laughs> they don't pay us. Right? Like oh it, Matt we, Matt it, is Matt has been waiting for his bathtub full of money.
3: I I still am. Like I'm <laughs> expecting that check in the mail any day. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I have one in the mail to you. It is for zero dollars <laughs> and two cents. <laughs>
3: Yes. I, have like a, I have a, I have a large, I have a large backyard. I'm thinking like, I could probably fit a in in ground pool back there. Uh, so <laughs> I need full some of cash. Money? Yeah, well, yeah, I I can build that pool, then I can fill it full of money. Smackeroonie. I want to leave <laughs> a larger
0: carbon footprint than Al Gore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but anyway, they are they're a good company. Um. You know, you need a shirt, get a shirt. And our other shout-out means we go to Matt.
3: Uh, that'd be to Orlando Colon. <laughs> um, I hope Orlando teams up with Dan Housen at some point. I would love to see <laughs> that match. So this week,
0: this week we're expressing our appreciation for Dino the Stinko Malenko. <laughs> <laughs> I said that right. That's what Jericho called him when they were doing that thing. Stinko Malenko. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, Which, um,
2: we're gonna be digging into some WCW talk, some angles we really liked, and that sort of stuff.
0: That was actually that was actually one that's remembered well, but got a huge pop is when Dean Malenko won the battle royal dressed as Cyclops, and they um, mm. Jericho comes in he pulls the mask off and just starts going to town on him.
2: It, it's in Jericho's book um, that. He said, uh, when Dean Malenko pulled the mask off to face me, he said, that is the loudest crowd reaction that I have ever been in the ring for. And I've been in the ring with Steve Austin and The Rock at their prime. Now, if we have some listeners that aren't familiar with that time period, the problem with this is we've got to go set – there's like a year buildup to get to this point. Not specifically Dean Malenko, but to get to this happening to Jericho because – um, somewhere ninety six, ninety seven. I don't remember specifically where Chris Jericho turned heel, but it was not like a, he turns on somebody or anything like that. It was Chris Jericho loses a match and then flips out and beats up Dave Penzer at ringside. Yeah, that
0: was early ninety eight, late ninety seven. Because ninety seven is when they started pushing him. Like we, I think we watched it. Like he beat. He beat X-Pac at some random house show. Because I, okay. I remember he had we been the cruiserweight champion, and then Jericho came out for a rematch yeah. on Nitro, and it was really yeah. bizarre because at that point you really didn't get a lot of title changes off of like TV. I think it yeah. was. I actually think that was like some show they did like on the website or something at the time.
2: I knew it happened, but I never actually got to see the match itself.
0: I've seen it because but... what happens is, so I, I've seen the match. Um, someone did it from like a fan cam, so it's it's really Xbox pacs gonna defend against Rey Mysterio Jr. and Jericho comes out and says, "Hey, you know I'm whoever wins this match, I'm taking on the winner," and um, so X-Pac beats Mysterio. They get into it, X Pac goes for the Bronco Buster, misses it, and then Jericho lion salts him and gets the pin. Is how yeah. that goes.
2: So we had um that, that's not a, that was Jericho's first cruiserweight title win. This is the this is the lead up to the second one. No, he, because... he
0: he this would be the third because he lost it to Alex Wright and then won it back over the summer.
2: Oh, okay. All right, third then. Sorry. Had a, had a lapse in memory there. Um, he starts flipping out on David Penzer because he lost the match. And in his book, he remarked that Terry Taylor told him, don't play any of this for laughs. Play it real serious. So he, like, grabs David Penzer and clings him out of the chair and, like, rips his suit jacket up and stuff. And then he comes out with a new one to give Dave Penzer, and he apologizes to him. He has loses again, and it happens again. Like, three times in a row, three weeks in a row, this happens. Jericho is, is going healed. then all of a sudden... Jericho is a heel starts winning, but he's taking trophies off of people.
0: Well, we should mention, too, um, it doesn't have to do with the heel turn, but he beat Scott Hall a couple of months before this on an off nitro. And that really that really kind of started this propulsion of, like, pushing him up the card.
2: Which is funny because Scott Hall was supposed to win and Scott decided to put Jericho over.
0: Yeah, (laughs) he just decided he's like,
2: nah. I'm going to put you over on this one. Well, I think Jericho sure? is he's like, what are they going to do to me?
0: I think Jericho, hasn't Jericho really credited that, that win over Hall of really like getting him on the map.
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Hall was a weird guy though. Cause Hall, there's like weird weeks on my Nitro where you can tell Hall is just like, yeah, just beat me. Like, let's get you a little, he,
2: his heat's bulletproof. Scott Hall at that point in time was, he, it, his heat was bulletproof. And him losing a fluke match didn't hurt him, but it didn't work
0: for people. I think he lost to Hector Garza, like, on a Nitro 2. Did he really? I think so. I don't remember that one. Because he would just lose to, like, random guys that he just seemed to like. Because there was, like, a, a TNA match years later between Hall and Garza, and they were actually getting ready to push Garza, but then he he
1: mm-hmm.
0: got into some trouble and got banned from the country. But Hall gave him, Hall beat him, but Hall gave him, like, like, Garza just, like, knocked him all over the ring. And Hall had to, like, cheat to win.
2: Okay. Well, in any event, Jericho does <clears throat> his heel turn. And then I think that's when he beat, uh, he beat Mysterio, I think. I think
0: so they did this weird like hot shotting with the belt because I think there was I think like Hoy Ultimo and Ray all won it like within a couple weeks of each other, you
2: yeah, I, mean? I think you're right,
0: and then I think he did beat he either beat Ray or Altimo,
2: he beat Ray because he um Ray had a big knee brace on and he grabbed a toolbox from under the ring,
0: okay, he took okay. that
2: to Ray's knee, and then line tamered him. Then, I think Juventude stepped to him.
0: Well, Juventude put his mask on the line.
2: He I did, think. and lost because Bischoff had this idea that that masked people wouldn't sell as much merch, never mind that you could sell one of their biggest selling items was Sting masks, for God's sake. I think yeah.
0: Bischoff was wrong, but I think Juventude benefited greatly from unmasking. The juice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You may be right. But in principle I'm not on board, but in any of well, I think
0: like psychosis I, was done, but I think Hoovy benefited because he was an attractive guy. Okay, yeah, that's
3: that's fair. that's fair. I don't know if I don't know if it started with Hoovy, but there is kind of like a, a wrestling meme that any any like masked wrestler who unmasks, it's like they actually are secretly hot underneath the mask. Poovy um, and Andrade. Poovy's <laughs> a good looking dude. Andrade's a good looking dude. Um Who am I forgot. Ray Ray is not like a bad looking guy. He just had like a baby face. Yeah. I think mean, he still kinda has like a baby face. Ray um, works better with the mask on. Yeah. Um Uh there's like another there's like another guy. I mean I guess you could say psychosis. Yeah, some of
0: those luchadores that have lost mask matches should have kept the mask on, in my opinion.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, well... And not like, everyone's it, a winner. It didn't do anything except hurt psychosis. Like, it didn't boost him. But he did that, and then he carried around Hoobie's mask on, like, a... He had it on a rope around his neck, and he beat Disco and took Disco's headband because he was doing this trophy collective thing.
0: he beat Prince Akamaki and took his mm.
2: skirt. Uh, yeah, it took his sarong, which, by the way is one of the funniest ways of getting heat that I can remember is just Jericho coming out with one of these random trophies with him, including Prince Ikea's sarong just like tucked into his tights around his waist. And it looks terrible, but that's the point. Mm -hmm. And it culminates... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Matt. uh, I... I, Go ahead and finish your thought. Uh, It culminates in he... He has this match with Malenko, and Malenko loses. And Mean Gene gets in the ring... And he's kind of berating Dean Malenko. He's like, what are you doing? You sh- you you said you had this and you came up short. You failed. What are you doing? Where are you going? And Malenko just goes home and he leaves. Jericho spends, what, a month and a half, two months, something like that, doing a one-sided build against Dean Malenko. He had, like, Dean Malenko's WCW um, promo picture. And he'd, like, drawn horns and a beard on it and everything. <laughs> And, like, has, he he just built the whole feud one-sided because everyone was so pissed off at him at this point. And so he had the number one contender, Battle Royal. Oh, what show was that at?
0: Oh, that was... Mm, Slamboree, I think. Slamboree okay. Spring Stampede. It was in May. Because that okay. was also the one... Also on that show is the one where Canyon came back.
2: Okay. Um... He goes uh, and and the whole idea is there's what a twenty luchador battle royal. Whoever wins the battle royal gets a title shot at Jericho right away. So Jericho's like, whatever, I don't, you know, I'm not worried about this. And it gets down to to Hoventude, who is kind of your odds-on favorite, and Cyclope. And it's like, what the hell, is Cyclope. Cyclope, if you don't know, wore a full body suit and a Halloween a, a Heath, theme. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a pumpkin mask. And Hoobie looks at him, shakes his hand, hops over the top rope, and eliminates himself. And so Jericho's talking smack. He turns his back, he reaches, Ticlopoe reaches up, pulls off the mask, and it's Dean Malenko, and Jericho freaks out. And Jericho says, that was the loudest crowd reaction I've ever been in the ring for, and I've been in the ring with Steve Austin and The Rock in their prime. And Malenko beats him. And Jericho goes on this one-man conspiracy victim angle. Mm-hmm like this whole heel run is just gold. He's going around with signs, conspiracy victim, talking about how it's not fair and Malika wasn't actually entered in the match and all this sort. He went to the Library of Congress to and found an old like 1898 NWA rule book or something, which that doesn't work cuz the NWA wasn't formed until like the 20s or 30s or something yeah but
0: we, we didn't know as much about wrestling
2: yeah but time. he finds this old rule book to make the point he there's this shot where he's having a conversation with a real life conspiracy theorist who has a booth set up on the national mall who's giving him court cases as references and he comes out to read this letter from ted turner that basically he's like, i have this letter from ted turner about it and shivani's holding the conspiracy victim sign trying not to laugh and he reads the letter and it basically Ted Turner saying, I don't give a damn, leave me alone. <laughs>
0: has has he ever talked much about Ralphus?
2: A little bit. Um, because Ralphus is uh he was he he drove one of the ring trucks. And he uh ralphus drove one of the ring trucks and jericho just thought it would be funny to have him be security and then ralphus started acting like he was a big shot bringing girls backstage and stuff he's like you can't bring these backstage dude and he's like no it's okay they're with me he's like it's not okay
0: i remember it was when he was doing the goldberg thing do you remember when he did like the spinal tap thing where he was like mocking goldberg's interest and they got like lost in the back thunder
2: in lexington kentucky that oh was for interesting. Match Against Wrath. Yeah. Because I had some friends that were there that were pissed because they were there live and they didn't get to see Jericho come out. Oh,
0: that's hilarious. <laughs> and I got to see it better at home. <laughs> yeah, because back in the day, like, I, I know Matt knows, but if you went to, like, Nitro back in the day, like, you, th- there was, like, there were there were screens, but you really had to be in the right spot to be able to see the screens.
2: Mm -hmm. and they weren't the same quality screens no they were
0: kind of like there was like a screen off to the side and a screen somewhere else it was not like the giant titantron they were just like kind of biggish screens but not like titantron size
3: yeah to to talk about ralphus like i i have a soft spot for ralphus and the the thing that i would love the most about him is that (laughs) is that you know he would accompany jericho down the ring and you'd have like a this sec is like his primary function to me. It's like <laughs> a fan would like reach out to touch Jericho. As people do, like when a wrestler mm-hmm. comes by, they want to slap hands or like you know, touch their arm or something like that. And Jericho would like pause and like, look all offended. And Ralph would just like look at them and just like waggle his finger like no.
1: And it's <laughs> like
3: it's like that's all he would really do. Like yes. he didn't really do much more than that, but he'd be like, No.
0: <laughs> but that uh-uh. was to me?
3: It was so hilarious.
0: I remember, because he ended up with Norman Smiley towards the end.
3: Yeah. And I remember uh, him. Uh, Brad, Brad, it's Norman Smiley.
0: <laughs> but when he stole those kids' little <laughs> title belt in their backyard,
3: mm. he's like, no, no, you're doing this wrestling thing all wrong. Like, here, this
0: is how you do, like, a half Nelson." he just pins the kid, and he takes the belt. <laughs> I love that, though. That was a great run that someone should rip off with Norman, where he um he was the hardcore champion, and he didn't like hardcore wrestling, and he was actively trying to lose, but, like, things would keep happening, and he'd keep winning.
2: Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Mikey Wick, Whipwreck with the TV title.
0: Yeah, Well, because, right? well, like, what he do is he'd want to lose, but then, like, he'd be wrestling, like, Sandman, and then, like, Raven would come out and just DDT him and, like, throw... Throw Norman on top. Yeah, and then he'd win, and then he'd be like, "No, this is bad, bad."
2: (laughs) Norman screaming, Norman Smiley. At that point, I think, and he comes out with like all the football pads and the helmet on and stuff. I I, the Kiss Demon was a dumb gimmick, but when Norman like ran to hide from someone, and then like it was, he ended up hiding in the casket for the Kiss Demon there. And he it, like, raises up, and he comes out, and he's just screaming his head off, and he's got, like, all the Kiss makeup on. And he's like, oh, oh, God, I'm supposed to have a match. And he comes walking out. He's got the football pads with the Kiss
0: face paint on. And I still laugh when he murders Pepe in the wood chipper. <laughs> mm.
2: Come on, Pepe, let's go. <laughs> But yeah, that whole Jericho title run is honestly it, it's it's great because it was all it was all Jericho driven. Nobody gave him stuff. They just because at the time they were think the the offices thought was well, who really cares about the cruiserweight? So they just let him do stuff. Like they're like, oh, yeah, you got time for a promo? Just do stuff, and he did, and it got massively over, and it got him tremendous heat. It, it It's, I mean, honestly, it's it's fascinating to see what happens when you just turn a creative person loose like that.
0: Wait, you mean when you don't Dance. script them? You don't script them, like, every little thing they do and yeah. make word them for word. talk in a natural language, and then if they do start getting over, job them?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Very much. I did have a, I did have in that era, I did have a... Monday Night Jericho shirt that I enjoyed quite a bit.
2: If you've ever read his first book after he came up with that shirt, (laughs) he would get royalty checks for nothing, because he didn't have any merchandise, but it was automated that they sent everybody royalty checks for whatever they brought in. After he introduced that shirt, he started getting royalty checks They were equal to the cost of the stamp to send him the royalty checks.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's sad.
2: Oh god, I'm still fun. All right. Well, he got <laughs> okay, he got
0: that's... five cents out of me at least.
2: <laughs> All right, that that's enough on 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 my pick here. It's, who's who's going next?
0: Uh, I guess I'll go next since I'm probably in of that era. This is just a singular show one, but so at the end of uncensored '97, they'd been playing up for probably the first oh. It'd probably been about seven months at this point because Sting kind of had his big freak out at Fall Brawl, right, where he walked out on everyone.
2: During that war game.
0: Yeah, so this is seven months in, which would not happen now, but so they've been kind of playing this, oh, um, what side is Sting on because the um, Jeff Farmer Sting was making appearances now. Yeah. And so he comes down at the end of the show and after the NWO one and then the NWO gets in the ring and he just starts dropping everyone with a baseball bat. Um, He takes out Nash Savage and Hall Hogan gets in the ring. Hogan kind of lunges at him and sting drops him into the pay-per-view and the crowd is practically just rioting out of joy. And not
2: because they're upset. They are so happy that they are losing their minds.
0: Yeah, but that's a great that's a great singular angle and like Sting just looks like an absolute monster in the process. Like he looks like literal Superman just taking the heels out. And it's one of my favorite moments of the Monday night era.
2: Yeah. No, it's, you can find it on um I mean you can find you can find the whole thing on Daily Motion. You can find part of it on YouTube. Matt, you've been quiet uh anything you wanted to throw in here uh i well no i i'll discuss mine in a minute okay no i mean about this one but it was there anything on this one you wanted to throw in
3: uh no i'm sorry all right it's all good good. there was a period there's a period of wcw like i i i kind of like float back and forth like i would i would kind of vastly I tried to watch both WCW and WWE... well WWF at that time. Yeah. At the same time. Mm -hmm. But there are periods where it's like I feel like I I really couldn't manage both at the same time. So I there there are like mid card or undercard stuff that I kinda like my memory's kind of hazy on.
1: No, that's fair.
2: Um this did start a um phrase i'm looking for it started a trend of not necessarily um it didn't happen all the time but it happened often enough that you would pay attention and watch for it uh that sting would show up at the end of a nitro every now and then and just go ballistic and it was so awesome to watch Mm. um because this led to, like, the Night of a Thousand Stings, or Sting rips up through the, the canvas to go after somebody, or Sting drops down from the rafters and pulls DDP out and stuff like that. It's.
0: I think my favorite one was, I think it was the Steiners and DDP, or a couple guys in the ring, and the NWO has them surrounded, and Sting drops in, and he just starts handing out baseball bats.
2: Yeah. I think it was Luger, Giant,
3: and DDP, but you're absolutely right. Because he had a uh, harness
2: with all of them strapped on.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't remember every one of his appearances, but I remember like every, every show you would, you would just be looking up at the rafters. Occasionally they would show actual footage of him, like you would see, all those things in the building because you could see him up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those, some of those are really classic, and I, I went to a couple of live shows during this period. And I, I, one, well, one was actually like a thunder taping, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to kind of compare it to maybe modern era, but I, there were, whenever sting would show up, it was, it was absolutely like electric. Like he, there's, Um, and with show and would pop the entire fucking building yeah. and he would show up and just like he would just beat the shit out of people or do like a couple moves and then that was, like the easiest like, immensely yeah. over
0: I yeah. feel like the yeah. last time we had that in WWE is like when the shield was like at its apex and they like come through the crowd I think that's like the last time they really had that kind of heat behind something.
3: But even then, it wasn't as big. It wasn't even as big. Although, yeah. I will say, in terms of pops, because I've mentioned this before, uh, when, when Daniel Bryan returned at, I think it was like, I think it was WrestleMania 34? Uh, whatever one that, whichever one they did in, in um, New Orleans, when he returned, that was uh, an absolutely huge pop. Like People were digging into that.
0: I wasn't I wasn't at this raw, but it's one of the biggest pops I remember from that era when the authority like had Daniel Bryan like outnumbered and they were about to beat mm. him and that shield music hits. Mm. And they start coming down to even the odds up and the crowd's just like losing their minds. I think that's when they had like the big it turned into the big evolution verse um shield stare down and like they're like no like triple h is like no we're not doing this and Reigns just like spears the shit out of him
1: yeah
0: and it just like chaos breaks out or no that the, you know the other one that was really great too was that rhodes family versus shield one where the rhodes family won the oh my belts and um reigns speared gold dust through the barrier
2: yeah he, he spears gold dust through the barrier, so they're out for the rest of the match, which means that that Cody gets the shine to finish it. But, but Dusty, like, whips off his belt and, like, wraps it around his fist and levels Rollins with it, I think. I know he whipped his belt off at one point. I don't remember exactly what he did with it.
0: You know what's sad about that angle? Is AEW had to finish that angle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... It's a shame.
0: But hey, we got blood for that, so... Yeah, we we got a lot of
2: blood for that. Um, the sting... Angle... Should have led to, like... One of the biggest... Blow-offs of all time. And instead, that Starcade, We did not get that, because... Hogan... Mm. Um... Hogan, you know, lobbied his way around on a finish, but
0: uh... I did like their rematch on Nitro had one of my favorite spots of all time where Sting's doing his comeback and he knocks Hogan down and then he loses steam and he, he like falls and he headbutts Hogan right in the dick and Hogan starts like (laughs) curly shuffling around in the ring and Sting's just out and Hogan's like writhing around. I love that spot. Because that's the thing With with Hogan that I liked With him as a heel is he loved doing it so much Like my favorite one is like when He gets into it with that old lady At ringside And he's oh, like yeah. selling for her
2: It's a stunt granny oh.
0: yeah, No she he... was No no she's Legit because it. if you watch Like Smoky Mountain and stuff Like the town they were in she's at like all the Shows
2: and she was so pissed. She like did a claw hand swipe at him.
0: And he he sold though. That that's what was so great about him as a heel.
2: Yeah, is Hogan like would back down as a heel? You wouldn't expect he would.
3: He's kind of he was kind of chicken shit.
2: Yeah, it, he was this weird mix of <clears throat> of like I'm the greatest chicken shit like mashup kind of. I guess it's like whenever you finally pop a bully in the nose and he's like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God.
0: Well, Uh, but I think where his promos were great too, though, is a lot of his promos were filled. I think with his like actual frustrations about where his career had gone, like going into the, into the heel turn. Like there was some real like venting of, I think his real life opinions. Gotcha. (laughs) And he had the coolest interest too. Like I always love like the the voodoo child and him playing the the belt like a guitar.
3: Mm-hmm. We um, it's it's I guess. Oh, God, uh, I actually think it's been like twenty-five years. We should we should maybe consider doing a review of uh, Bash '96. Oh, Bash oh the wow! Beach, yeah, where it's the the. The, technically, the the beginning of the NWO. And then Ray because just lawn,
0: lawn darted the next night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, there's a there's a Nash and Hall shoot that's great about that because I guess Nash was a little worried about it, and he's mm-hmm. like, "You sure you want me to do this?" And Ray's like, "Yeah, do it. Like just like do it. This is gonna be awesome." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't
2: think you could ever accuse Ray of not being game for something.
0: Well, they said they used to. They, <laughs> Conan, I think, said that they used to, like, Nash used to screw with him, and he'd put, like, something up making fun of him, but he'd put it up too high for Ray to reach it. (laughs) Okay. I Mm. used to love, it was good, um, WCW Magazine in this era, they kind of ruined it, but that was kind of like a worked and shoot at the same time.
2: Yeah, it was it was kind of a weird mix.
0: Because they do this question where they'd ask them like some question every month. And those were usually shoot but I I liked the magazine in this era.
2: It was either a shoot question or it was just some weird question like, What's your favorite Backstreet boy or what's your favorite dessert or something like that? It's like it's what you're going with this month, huh?
0: Well I think there's one where Ming answered getting arrested naked in Houston, which I thought was funny as a teenager, but now as um now as an adult I realized he was probably naked because he had beaten up like twenty cops and they'd tased him like eighteen times and he still wouldn't go down.
2: Which makes it even funnier.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, I people talk about about the attitude era and all that sort of stuff, but it feels like that they're they're intentionally forgetting or missing out on a lot of really good WCW stuff.
0: Well WCW uh, actually that's the thing Hogan doesn't actually get credit for is he ushered in two wrestling booms on his own. Because yeah. because mm-hmm. the Attitude Era boom really started in WCW.
2: True. Because, well, I mean, DX started after the NWO, um, and and they couldn't be like the NWO, so they had to do something else.
0: Well, but but WCW also brought the fans back to get, yeah, the Attitude Era started.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, and it's I used
0: because my wife was watching some old stuff with me a couple years ago from that era, and she was really she really got taken with the, the, the paid for by the NWO where they would just do the propaganda videos. And she's like, these are so awesome. Why don't they do anything like this anymore?
2: I, if I remember right, that kind of fell to the editors. Because when they started doing them, Hogan was just kind of doing his regular old promo stuff, but doing heel things. And Hall and Nash were like, uh, this ain't going to work. And so Bischoff gave it to some editors, and they chopped it up and and made those. If I remember right, I might be wrong, but um, I don't think I am. But yeah, those were great. Cause they were just so different and so uh, attention grabbing.
0: Yeah, and now Matt Matt mentioned one that is his favorite angle, and I'm actually itching to talk about this one because he picked a he picked a good one.
3: He did. He did. Uh, yeah, this is this is like it's kind of like a struggle because you you kind of i mean you could just talk about the nwo itself although that angle they kind of run to the ground like there, but that i have a soft spot because i when i first got into wrestling it was because like late 92 wcw um and i didn't see this stuff contemporaneously but i i rented a ton of of like videos from the video store uh and there was probably more wwf WWE stuff than there was WCW stuff, but they yeah, did have the, a few. And the Turner mm-hmm.
0: tapes were frustrating from the late 80s, because mm-hmm. like, the WWF <sighs> would clip matches, but they were always like, you wouldn't know until, unless you saw the pay-per-view live or you saw it unedited years later, but like the yeah. Turner ones, like they just took a chainsaw <clears throat> to those.
3: Yeah, they did, and that was really frustrating, because you could always tell, like, it was, uh, they were more subtle in the WWF, um but in wcw or nwa it was like no you're gonna get you're only gonna get like four minutes of a match and then now here we are like years later you could actually like look it up and it's like what i saw like five minutes of a match that went 25 minutes yeah it's frustrating but um i was able to see some stuff and this this really like struck me um and i've i've since when i was older i, I was actually able to see more of it uh but if, in 1989 Flair had a tremendous series with uh, Ricky Steamboat throughout, I guess, the first half of 1989. Um, and the matches they had, excuse me, where, where Flair was the champion, then he lost to the Steamboat, then he won the championship back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, I think they had three matches total. Like, those three matches are some of the best, no hyperbole, some of the best uh, North American wrestling Ever. Like, it's certainly some of the best of the last, like, 40 years. It's, they are just absolute classic matches. They're just fantastic. All three of those matches are pretty much like five stars. But, uh, the, I think the last match they had where Flair won the title back was in Wrestle War 1989, which I think was in, uh, I think, okay, looking up, it was in May. Um, because Wrestle War, I think usually was like in June, but, he was in May, uh, and at that at that point Terry Funk had been hired by WCW. Um, I think he had had a match with Steamboat uh, at maybe one of the clashes. Uh, he was kind of like a heel, but anyway, um, Flair wins the title back, and Funk goes up to him afterwards and is like, "Hey, you know, I just want to." just want to shake your hand you know i really respect that you know you you, you won the you won the title again and he, flair was like kind of he didn't kind of blow him off but but fuck was like well you know i really really would love if you uh you know you you gave me a shot at the title and and flair that's where flair like kind of like blew him off a little bit he's like yeah yeah you know if you like you know you work your way at the rankings because w WCW and was doing this whole like you, you know the ranking system. You guys remember that they played yeah. that really big in like the early nineties. They played it, but yeah, uh, AEW kind of does something like that. I don't feel like they really do it well or necessarily logically, but uh, it, I like the concept of it. So, but he was kind of like that. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you make your way up the rankings, like you can you definitely like get a get a shot and. Funk took really big offense to that and he's like, you know, why why wouldn't you why wouldn't you actually just give me a, a title shot? And he he flat out turns on Flair because Flair would give him the outright the title match and he beats the shit out of Flair <laughs> and Pyle drives him through a table on the outside. In 1989. In 1989 and everyone goes fucking ballistic and this set up uh, in my opinion, one of the best 1989 for WCW was a fucking fire year. Like they almost could do no wrong. Like they, at least like the main event scene was you were on fire because the first half was Flair Steamboat and the second half was Flair Funk, and in between they had like some really awesome matches that were going on with a variety of like mid card, undercard guys. That was just good. Like Sting was still like doing a lot of cool shit. Lex Luger. You um, had the you had road warriors still kicking around. you had the debut of uh, uh, great muda later on. Um, but flair and Flair and Terry Funk start going on they they started having like a series. Uh, they fought each other at a at a clash initially I think where Flair actually won, but that wasn't the end of it. Uh, then you had Halloween havoc uh, 1989 which was, I, this one I actually definitely had, I actually videos out of rotation because they were like old or people, there was a lot of interest in it, they would sell them Yep. Uh, they had this like on sale oh, at wow. one of the video stores I went to for like a, just a few bucks and I like begged my mom to buy it for me and she did, uh, and it was Halloween Havoc 1989, which I don't even remember the undercard, I don't care about the undercard, <laughs> The the main event. Actually, I shouldn't say that because the undercard did have like a, a Luger Pillman match, which was actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it had Flair and Sting, like one of the only times they teamed with each other, and Flair didn't fucking turn on him. <laughs> um, no, he waited a month. Yeah, it was Flair and Sting versus Terry Funk and the Great Muda in a Thunderdome match which was basically just like, uh, it's like a, a big steel cage match. Um, but the, the gimmick there was at the, the top of the cage, you couldn't escape the cage because the top of the cage was electrified. And I actually think it, it actually was like somewhat electrified, like, like as a shoot, because at the very beginning of the match, I think I've talked about this before. It's really cool. Like at the very beginning of the match, uh, there was some piece of paper or cloth or something that was like at the top of the match, and the the it hits like the the electrified cord and catches fire. And there was this great visual at the beginning of the match that Muta climbs it up, climbs up the cage, and does the poison mist to to actually like <laughs> put the fire out. Yeah, it's a really cool visual. Um,
0: Going back to your begging your mom to buy you the VHS, I think what younger people need to understand is. In the 80s, VHS tapes, like, of a movie or, like... You'll see them if you if you get, like, the VHSs of um, this era. Like, if you look at a Turner one, like, if you w- wanted to mail away for this show at Turner prices at the time, it was, like, 50 or 60 bucks for the VHS.
2: The, it was not Which... easy to find them, and they were not... Uh, they were not
3: cheap whenever no. you did it. No, and... That's fifty, like fifty, sixty bucks for just a show. If, if like if, if like SummerSlam is like in a week or two, like if you, I guess if you if pay per view is still a thing that you wanted to buy, like fifty, sixty bucks would be, I guess, the regular price. But if you were to like buy this on DVD, you'd be like sixty dollars for a DVD. Come on, like or even a Blu-ray. Like that you you would think that that would be outrageous prices. Like Blu-rays nowadays. Blu-rays are almost outdated, but if you take Blu-rays, like if if they charge you like brand new Blu-ray thirty bucks, you'd be like, oh okay, like that's what they go for. I got thirty
0: for a Blu-ray. I'm like, I'll get that on Black Friday for ten dollars.
3: Oh, I agree, but uh, it's thirty bucks. Like thirty bucks it's like that should be that better be like a box set of the entire season of a show.
0: Yeah, and Uh, this is this is nineteen eighties money where sixty dollars was a lot.
3: Even like if if you go to like the nineteen nineties, like sixty dollars was still a lot. I remember this is kind of like a side but when when the network was a thing before they like moved to Peacock, you know, earlier this year. When the network was the thing and you could just you could just get it for like 10 10 ducks, 10 10 bucks would get you like the network and you could just see all the pay-per-views. Yeah. That was pretty much the end of like actually buying a pay-per-view, but even before that, before the network was really like consistent uh they would have the their WWE would put out their pay-per-views and then 2 3 months later they'd put out the DVD of that pay-per-view and the DVD was like maybe 20 bucks and
0: the pay per like, views what? were getting really expensive by the end i think they were up to 50 weren't they yeah. if you wanted yep.
3: it they <laughs> were definitely more than they were definitely more than 20 what they i think
2: were, they were 50 every month
0: and i think mm-hmm. Well, no, and there were two some months, and I think I yeah. think there was a tier pricing because I think it was at one point I think it was forty dollars for standard, and then it was HD. Yeah, HD was fifty.
3: Yeah, okay. Which was stupid because at that at that point, I and I actually argue this with people, with friends and all. I'm like, why would unless it was a show you absolutely had to see or you know. Uh, well, a friend of the show, Chris Patrillo, he would do he would do instances where he would have a bunch of friends will come over. They would almost they would essentially kind of like share pay per views.
0: Yeah, we did. Yeah. I just like, that during the Attitude Era because if you got ten yeah. of your friends, you'd each t- chip in five bucks that cover the pay per view and that cover the pizza.
3: Yeah, but why so yeah, and, and 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 Chris would still do this uh, up until like a few years back. Like he just like everyone come over for like one pay-per-view and then everyone come over to another guy's house for a different pay-per-view. And it's like, you can, you can, you could just throw a guy if, if like, you know, a half a, even if half a dozen people come, they each throw like 10 bucks towards it. It's like, oh, I don't,
0: that, that, I don't know anyone. And, and like none of my friends circle watch wrestling anymore. I couldn't have done that even in, well, like in 20, theory, tw- like I couldn't he, even, he, even in like 2004, he, I couldn't have done that sadly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Chris does, but it, it and That's just an example, but it's like, if you, like, why, I argue with people, it's like, why would you pay, like, 50, 60 bucks for a pay-per-view when you literally can wait, like, two months max, and they're going to put that out on DVD for, like, 20 bucks? It's like, economically, it makes no sense, but I, it, it was expensive back in the day. This, I don't remember what my mom paid for it, but it was not, like, 50, 60 bucks. It was definitely, like, you know, here's a used, we're selling a used wrestling. VHS that no one is renting from us. So Mm -hmm. I it was not that much. But the match itself was was Flair versus Sting versus Funk and Muta. Uh, and I was this was my first exposure to Muta. And I'm watching this probably in like 92, 93, like years after this pay-per-view actually happened. But this was my first exposure to Muta, and I was like enamored with him because he's he had a unique look and was a good worker. And they were managed by Gary Hart, who I don't, I don't know how much Gary Hart was in, like, the NWA, WCW. He wasn't, he certainly wasn't much, he wasn't in there much around, like, 98. He would uh, pop sorry, in and out I
0: because thought. usually if, like, Abby or Kamala came through, he was usually, like, the spokesperson for them.
3: Mm. Uh, Hart was a Good match here. He was a, he was a good compliment for for Funk and Muda. Um, this was a really good match in my opinion. Uh, they had Bruno Sammartino as like the special guest referee who I didn't think actually like added anything.
0: Now we we've <laughs> run into that problem with with old timers doing the ref thing. Remember uh, Gene Kanitsky with the race flare cage match?
3: Oh God, he was hor- horrible. Yeah, horrible. horrible. God. Um. But I like this match again. It was really cool. It was Flair and Sting as a, as an effective tag team, and then they they actually won versus uh, against Funk and Muda. Muda I was enamored with again because he was like a really unique <laughs> worker. Uh, and then this ultimately led to uh, Clash Nine on November fifteenth, nineteen eighty nine, where it was Funk versus uh, Flair in an I Quit match. And I, I would need to rewatch this because I haven't seen it in years, but it's this like pro-
0: it's like, mm. ten, like the second half is like Flair just systematically destroying Terry Funk's leg.
3: Yes. Uh, and then finally locking on the figure four and uh, like a ref holding up a mic to Flair to, to sorry to Funk's to Funk and Funk is a little over the top. Because he's like, just it's almost like stream of consciousness because he's like yelling, and he's like, Oh my god, you're breaking my leg! You're breaking my leg! And then he finally says, I quit, and he wins the I uh, Flair wins the I quit match. Um, and it's probably like a five star match, it's it's an absolutely fantastic match. And but this, Flair's this not entire, a
0: goddamn coward like Tommy, no, no you're not a goddamn <laughs> coward,
3: Rick. <laughs> uh, it's this, this whole series uh which the it probably the feud itself probably would last like four or five months, but it was well
0: flair the, the thing with the table thing is flair i don't mm-hmm. think flair i think flair was out from like wrestle war to great American bash like he sold mm-hmm. that injury for a
3: while mm. yeah, it was a it's just this entire this entire feud was fantastic it's it's i almost feel. Unless you're a wrestling connoisseur, it's almost become forgotten.
0: People remember the the Flair Steamboat stuff, which isn't yes. The matches are good, but the angle is nowhere near as good. And if you look at box office, like this this did better box office than Flair Steamboat because Flair Steamboat kind of flopped.
3: So yeah, it's I'll a remember. hotter angle. I, see, I oh man, I would. Because I feel like the the matches, the flare Steamboat matches, I I do stand by my statement that it's it's some of the best, in my opinion, some of the best matches.
0: The, the if, you matches watch, of all time. if you watch the TV though, it's not the matches are really good, but like the angle stuff around it's kind of eh. Because mm. like, cause Steamboat even as champion doesn't appear on TV that much.
3: Mm. Well, I will definitely stipulate that the 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 flare Funk angle was definitely better yeah definitely definitely hotter like more interesting um and i say that with all due respect to steamboat like i love steamboat he's he's in my opinion one of the best pure baby faces of all time but that this this whole uh flare funk uh series and the feud again i feel it's kind of been forgotten since it's it's been 30 plus years since then but it's just fantastic like this was To me, like, this is really, like, the last really, really, really great stuff from Funk. I mean, I I know people love like, ECW stuff with Funk and, I guess, uh, Attitude Era, where he's Chainsaw Charlie, but to me, like, this is, like, the last really good stuff with Funk.
0: Funk, Less good in-ring stuff, I'd say.
3: Yeah, after that, like, I mean, Funk still had some entertaining, interesting stuff when he was doing ECW stuff, but it's not nearly as good.
2: I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and do it and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a uh, probably controversial statement but the the flare steamboat matches I think are good but I don't enjoy them a whole lot because it it is amazing how much they do with I mean as little as they do but it my problem is that because when I sat down to watch them, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna sit down, and watch these. I'm gonna break them down." And they don't vary it up a whole lot. And for me, at least, I, whenever I watch a match, I, I don't like seeing the same spots repeated over and over again, because in my head, the it 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 seemed. This, I'm not saying this applies to player Steamboat. I'm trying to articulate my point as a whole. It seems lazy to be like, well, that didn't work. I'm going to do it again. That didn't work. I'm going to do it again. It's like, In my head, it's like, okay, that didn't work. I should try something else. And so if I see a match where I see a lot of the same thing happening over and over again, I, I unconsciously start enjoying it less
0: i think there's context to that though because like i think the two out of three falls match we're getting to be an hour is like well like that didn't pin him but he's obviously really tired so why don't i just try to cover him again because i just want this this to end
2: there is one of them and i can't i can't tell you which one but there's one of them where
1: <clears throat>
2: like it felt like the last time i watched it god people are gonna just Crucify me about this. um The last time I it felt like eighty-five percent of the match was one of them backs the other one in the corner and chops them
0: That's probably the first one. The, the I think the two out of three falls one is far and away better than the other two. Like the two out of three falls one is probably in my top ten all time matches.
2: It's been a number of years since I've gotten to watch it, so I need to dig it back out and and give it another run.
0: I just watched the TV from this era a couple years ago, so I, the Two Out of Three Falls one, I was actually more smitten with it a couple years ago than I was even the first time I saw it.
2: Well, it really
0: it um it pisses all over the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match. mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because that match sucks. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Sorry, I am uh I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> From a WrestleMania main events.
0: No, that match isn't that match is not good. I don't know I, it just gets perpetuated <laughs> as good because it's long.
2: And and there's and the the WWF campaign of Brett Sean matches were all you know, yes. five star classic. You're like, yeah, quit touching yourself and be honest.
0: I would rather watch any numerous hour long all Japan draws than I would that match.
2: There, there's plenty of other stuff I would rather watch. But
0: I think, I think Funk flare is probably one of the best WCW angles.
2: It's been so long since I watched most of it. Like I remember bits and pieces. Like I remember how it started, but it's been so long since I watched most of it. I don't feel like I have a informed enough opinion to say a whole lot right now. Um, so I'm just gonna agree with you guys.
0: <laughs> I mean, Dangerous <clears throat> Alliance is probably the best WCW angle other
3: than the NWO. I love the Dangerous Alliance so much. And if you think about it, Dangerous Alliance didn't, I mean, it didn't, I don't think even last like a year. It was was done pretty quickly.
0: I think six months.
3: Yeah. I think it was really actually more six months. I think
0: they, I think they like, they started, it started like going getting off the ground in like November of like 91 and they wrapped it up somewhere in like the spring, early summer of 92. Yeah.
3: And if you think about it, like, they've yeah, they've obviously changed because like, they're kind of like faces now but like we're almost at two years mm-hmm. into aew like officially in terms of like their TV show and like the the inner circle is like still a thing yeah um, but the inner circles also gone through a big change in that time that's true
0: but like think so. about like the authority in WWE and how that just would not die
3: yeah
0: well I th-
2: I think the difference is that, like, because AEW has a number of different stables that have been around for, you know, Jurassic Express has been around in one form or another since almost the beginning. The Inner Circle's been around since pretty much the beginning, but they're not always taking up, like, a full quarter of the TV time, either.
0: Well, and... and um, AEW has a Japanese touch to it, so there's fewer face and heel turns, and stables tend to be, like, a a thing that is around for a long time. Sometimes with a couple of additions and subtractions, but mostly staying intact for, you know, eight, nine years. Like, Suzuki Gun, like, I, I think that's been fairly stable in New Japan for five years.
2: Well, it, it makes sense that if you you and your buddies would want to do stuff together, right? Like that 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 makes sense. I don't understand the the criticism of that. It's like, why are there so many factions? Like, why? I, I don't understand the problem with
0: it. I think why, because people not. people have not been exposed, especially people that. Have watched primarily in the last 20 years have not been exposed to different flavors of wrestling and like the idea of the Dragon Gate gang war style yeah. promotion is like foreign to people, so they don't get it.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's there may be more to it, but the only people that I have heard say AEW has too many stables or WWE stands. And it seems like an empty complaint. It's like they have too many stables. It's like, what difference does it make? Why is that hurting anything? You know what? So you've got you've got the best friends in Orange Cassidy. That's a tag team and their friend. Why is this a problem? Jurassic Express is a tag team and their little buddy. Why is this? A, I don't understand why it's a
0: problem. I think that's more natural than like yeah. than like just a bunch of lone (laughs) wolves that are doing their own thing like
2: in the in the 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 monday night war era even in the top of the card in wcw it, it wasn't an official stable but luger giant and ddp ran together like they were they were allies with the steiners kind of with them sometimes even if it wasn't codified as like team WCW or anything like that, like, you know, they, they backed each other up.
0: But in WCW though, (laughs) like Sting and the Steiners being friends goes back to like, in in 97, that goes back to like 1990. Yeah. It goes way. And Sting and Luger goes back to the eighties. Like they (laughs) really, that's one thing that they kind of unintentionally did was they, they made those relationships matter. Whereas, In WWE, largely today, things are so cast off that history never matters.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's. It's 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 a weird complaint and um, I don't like it, but. You know. Here we are. Um I
0: think it's I think it's more natural. For me though, I think it's more natural that people would form small little groups. Not necessarily big factions like the inner sphere, but um, that they would tend to group up a bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, why not? It benefits you as a worker, as like a as a as a competitor In a cutthroat business, it benefits you to have friends and people watching your back.
2: Yeah. And from a booking standpoint, there's more opportunities to hook everybody in. Because if this tag team's got a problem with this tag team, then you can hook their buddies in with it, too, and vary up what you're doing. And you're not dancing around having these two teams lock up directly before you get to the big match you want to have.
0: I think it throws people off because AEW has a real focus on tag teams, whereas WWF has not had that going all the way back to like the Dudleys and edging Christian and the Hardys.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's been close to like 20 years before the, the tag teams actually like mattered mm-hmm. in WWE. But that's, see, that's the thing that uh, I, I, just have to assume it's their conscious decision that A.W. is doing that to kind of like make themselves stand out. Um, but I mean, Tony Khan is such an, a wrestling nerd <laughs> <laughs> that he probably just like loves tag team wrestling. So it's really it's it it has the benefit of making them stand out. Yeah, but it's also he's probably just doing because he just loves tag team wrestling. They kind um, of
0: fell into having a lot of good tag teams out of the gate too, like a lot of natural, naturally formed tag teams. Like they had the Bucks, they had Phoenix and Pentagon, they had um, mm-hmm. Jurassic Express,
3: best friends, yeah,
0: best friends, um, Daniels and Kazarian. Like yeah. they really, they really, they had that was a strength they had coming out, and I mm-hmm. always thought, especially when they started, it's filled out, but their their singles upper card was not great when they started. Mm-hmm. There was definitely gaps there and I thought their tag team division was just stronger and so they played to that more and it's worked mm-hmm. for them.
3: I they've been keeping their, their titles, all their titles, uh pretty strong. And I don't I don't really want them to hotshot titles. But I think I've mentioned this before, like I, if they created like a trios title like I wouldn't that wouldn't be like the worst thing, just because they have so many like groups, um, and they, they. I feel like they could, to the extent you want a hot shot something. I feel like you could hot shot that title if you ever created it. And I wouldn't do it like every. I wouldn't a new champion every week. I wouldn't do that, but uh, more than what they're doing now, where it's like you, uh, someone wins the title, they they keep the title for effectively like six months or more.
2: Yeah. The trios titles moving around makes sense
3: because Mm. it's, it's trios. It can get wild real fast. Yeah. And, and, uh, Tony Khan has actually, he's discussed it. Like he, he, it's something that he has contemplated. It hasn't obviously happened yet. Um, so who knows if it will happen, but I could, that I think could, you could do something with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, I wouldn't necessarily do, like, a six-month reign unless you want to really establish a, a trio or group, uh, a faction well. But, I mean, there's so many guys you could, you could just do that to put the title on. You could have, like, the Lucha Brothers and... uh, Well, you could Death... Was it? Death Triangle? Lucha Brothers and
0: Pack. Yeah.
3: Like, you could have them. You could have uh, Best Friends do it. You could have... Tras uh, Express do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have... Team Taz, do it. Uh, you've sorry, lost Brian. You've lost right Brian there. Cage, but I guess you could have like uh, Hook. <laughs> it's like the. I
0: I will yeah. say the There's one thing so many guys. AEW mm-hmm. needs to do is I need I need Eddie Kingston to get a belt at some point.
3: Uh, yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I uh, felt that they lost. They, they missed an opportunity to have uh, Kingston and Moxley win the tag titles at yeah, like the last pay per view.
0: I, I could have done with the Bucks losing the belts there because I feel like they're they're getting a, their reign's been a little long in the tooth. Like I don't think I think I thought they were good champions to start, but I felt like they've kind of like I th- I it it out. Yeah, I thought Moxley and Kingston would have given them some new avenues to travel down. I, I
2: think that happened because Mox was going home because his daughter was being born, and they didn't want to. He didn't want to. They wouldn't put, put the titles on him when he was gonna be gone for a while, which makes sense, but something needs to happen because like <clears throat> Omega's reign is going to end when Paige gets back. Like I'm I'm fair certain that's gonna happen. At the same time, the Bucks reign should probably end in that neighborhood as well. Like, I feel just like have mm-hmm. elite collapse.
0: I feel like Omega, you could get more time out of it. It's just that Paige is a better option right now. Whereas the Bucks, I feel like I'm just kind of like, eh, you know what, guys, like, why don't you drop the belts?
2: Yeah, and it's it's not like it would hurt them. They've they've had a good run, so
0: they could <clears always> win <throat> it back too.
2: Yeah, they could win it back. Well, that's, you could
0: have you could have done like Kingston just bringing in like degenerates to to fill in for Moxley while
3: he's out <laughs> yeah well that's where i i felt like they could have they could have easily gotten like you wouldn't if you don't want to do it long term like you could have had uh kingston and moxley win the, the the tag championships um
0: and bring in like just bring just be like hey homicide you want to come in for four months like we'll pay you like 50 grand
3: yeah you could have had you could have had Moxley and, and Kingston win the titles for and and just held it for like maybe a month or two and then you could put it back in the box if you wanted to, uh. But yeah, Kingston I felt is too, he's too entertaining and he has too much like love, uh, with with AEW fans and just wrestling fans in general. Like I feel like you should put the title, uh, you you should put a title on him and the singles titles they have now don't it just he doesn't really fit that, because uh, you don't want him. Beating Omega because I I do think Paige is like the logical choice and Miro is being just booked as a monster. Miro be Ricky Stark for
0: the FTW belt though. That him and Ricky Stark traded a couple times.
2: That would be interesting, Um, and it would make sense with but but
0: but Kingston because Ricky Stark's over too.
3: (laughs) Yeah, um, Kingston as a as some sort of like tag champ or whatever like i think that would actually be really interesting um omega has he's almost he's it's almost been like a it's been about eight what eight months with the title like i think so. you can yeah about eight I or nine think, months i think you can stretch that out a while i think if if page is out adam page is out let's say like three to three to four months i do think you can I think he should, he logically he's, you've booked like for two years that you've essentially booked it. as like, he's like the heir apparent. So I think he should get the title, but it's also like, I want, I do wonder if he's, if he's out like, let's say three months and then come back, I almost feel like he's going to be a little cold. You're going to have to like build that up again.
1: I
2: don't know. It, Cause as soon as, it, if you have, um, I'm, I'm going to try and imagine fantasy book for just a second. So please indulge me. But, if mm-hmm. you were to have, say it's on dynamite, and you know Omega's running his mouth, it's like yeah, oh, you know all this sort of stuff, and and no one can do it, and you all you all thought it was going to be Page, but I knocked him in the dirt, and you remember the promo that played before the Ten Man, mm-hmm. like the thing about being a cowboy is you get back up when you get knocked in the dirt, and you just you just have that play, and then Page's music kick up. <clears throat> The crowd's gonna go ballistic for him.
3: I, I mean I do think the crowd is like climate.
2: So they're He's just behind gonna Page. S- yeah. the only thing that it's gonna have to happen is that Paige will have to have some kind of hurdle to clear to get an get his title shot.
0: I wouldn't even do that. I would just I would set a matchup yeah. and have Omega injure them like the dynamite before the pay per view and you either just straight up have Paige come out in place of them at the show and beat him just cold like on his return or or something like that like i would just do a boom boom like he's back wins the belt
2: maybe um maybe the rampage before whoever was going to challenge omega omega does something to put him out and then you know you can I don't know if how much they want to put Tony Khan on television, but if they were just to say it's like, Oh, you're gonna come out here and you're gonna hurt my employees, you're gonna come out here and hurt people because you don't wanna have you don't wanna do your job as the champion, guess what? You're still having this match. I mean, I, it's like, who are you gonna have challenge me? Hit the music.
0: I think Khan's like, been, I, got somebody. I think Khan's been on impact television more than he's been on AEW television.
3: True. I, I don't I don't really want him on television no i don't i we it's it's been done to death we don't need an authority figure yeah gimmick um i don't want to see him on that and i think he's i don't think he's committed to doing any on-air stuff really i think
0: impact's just been something fun like where he's just screwing around
3: yeah and even i mean i've been trying to watch more impact essentially since the AEW uh, collaboration and it he hasn't it he's not he's not an overwhelming presence like i don't even feel like he i feel like he's kind of stopped even being on it for a while they were doing like the him and tony Schiavone were doing like like essentially promos but that's that hasn't been for a while
0: he's he he shows up if they're going to set up like a title match he'll yes. show up like when mm-hmm. they did the moose omega thing in Orlando, mm. well, in in their building, he came on TV yeah. to set that up.
3: Mm. It, it's just uh, as an aside, like right now, it, if you look at non WWE, things are still weird because of the pandemic. But you you have never seen a diff, a, a a greater like synergy of essentially non WWE promotions like working with each other. Yeah. Because they just had a what, new Japan a resurgence, uh, which is kind of like, you know, it, New Japan's trying to branch out into uh, the, United, the United States, like the American market. And they just had a pay per view in LA. Um, and one of the matches on there was uh, Ishii versus Moose. And I haven't had a chance to watch it. I guess uh, it, it aired live on a new Japan world with Japanese commentary. Uh, if you wanted to get the um, uh, English commentary, you had to actually purchase the show on fight, um, which I didn't do, but apparently like, I think they are going to, either they have, or they're going to up to upload the English commentary. And even onto... on
0: new Japan world, I still stick with Japanese commentary. Cause that's what mm. I'm used to.
3: Okay. Um, but that show is going to, is either up, it's either up on uh, New Japan World or it's going to be with probably both commentaries. But that that match got like great reviews.
0: Well, Kojima's been doing some stuff on Impact here and there too. Mm-hmm.
3: Kojima's been doing stuff on Impact. Uh, Juice Robinson, Finn Juice. So um, David Finley and 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 Finn have been doing stuff on. Sorry, um, Juice Robinson and David Finley have been doing yeah. stuff on Impact. Uh, the Good Brothers are obviously. They're not, they're technically with Impact, but they've been uh, at New Japan Resurgence. uh, There was a kind of a confrontation between the Good Brothers and the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, You're seeing like this incredible synergy of of stuff between Impact and New Japan.
0: I would love, Um, I would love, I would love the Gorillas of Destiny and um, Gato with his Air Horn. mm -hmm. I would love to see them in AEW.
3: Oh they' be and i I feel like that's something that is probably gonna happen down the road because you you already saw uh Hiku Leo in aew yeah because I, I can't imagine like the gorillas won't possibly yeah there's
0: up. there's this thing they do when they come out in Japan like they wear the when they have the belts they wear them in the front of their pants mm-hmm. okay and one of the guys will go up to the camera and he'll grab his camera and he'll like pull it down and like bump it right into his crotch. <laughs> Is they're okay. like doing their entrance, and it always yeah. cracks me up. But they're, they're mm-hmm. like, they like I wouldn't say they're amazing in the ring, but like they're like they do this like really hardcore rap when they're coming out, and they just they just exude like menace.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So I I think they would be really good.
3: And also Shad, Gorillas of Destiny, uh, Sons of Haku A.K.A. Ming. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to see them. And uh, And do AEW stuff.
0: Tamatonga is an underrated Twitter follow because he's funny.
3: Okay, he is funny. He's very funny. Um, and meanwhile, that show was Saturday night, and elsewhere in the world, in in Mexico, you had Kenny Omega versus Andrade. Uh, for the. What is a, of, tri- a, triple a super mega championship or something like that it's it, it has a weird it's uh they they throw in like five different yeah adjectives to i can describe it up here uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but they had they had uh that match uh which i guess andrade was supposed to win that but uh aw asked that they they have uh they have the rights to how i guess omega is booked so they asked that he not lose that championship. Um, I think obviously because they had just had him lose the Impact Championship to to Christian Cage, so they didn't want him to lose him like twice in a row. Uh, plus, they I feel like a
0: championship.
3: It, mm, I feel like it helps. Uh, it's it's better for Omega to have multiple titles at once. But um, that match featured Ric Flair of all people coming down as Andrade's second, and then you yeah. had him chopping. A whole segment where it was like Omega caught between Andrade and Flair, they were each like chopping at him. It's just like and then what Conan a what a what a fucking surreal time we live in. Yeah, Flair where,
2: chopping and figure fouring Conan, yes, while Andrade chops and figure fours. It's
3: Omega. it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. And apparently, uh, there, uh, WWE was running a house show that they, that they had booked Charlotte as being. Like the, the in the main event are a big part of it, that show was happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, of all places.
2: Yeah, that was. And she, she Alvarez phrased
3: yeah. it great. He was like,
2: "You advertise Charlotte in Charlotte. Guess what? No Charlotte. <laughs> yes. No Charlotte in she,
3: Charlotte." She didn't appear at that show because she was in Mexico with her father and her fiance.
2: And she had uh, requested that show off like well ahead of time. Yes. And they went ahead and advertised her as being there anyway, and the oh, crowd oh, was yes. I
3: mean. I'm not surprised by that, but oh. it's, it's, it's just a, it's, as a wrestling fan, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan because you have, again, you have, you have a collaboration between AAA and AEW and Impact and New Japan. Uh, those companies are all like working together and, on the Fiona indie
0: Firazzo scene. took on uh, Fabi Apache at that Triple Mania.
3: And one and one She's now a dual champion too.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
3: Yeah, and even on the indie scene, you're seeing, like, really interesting stuff. Like, we, we've we laughed, like, off uh, off podcast. We've kind of, like, laughed about how, uh, of all people, Zack Ryder, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cardona, has won the, the Game Changer Wrestling Championship from Nick Gage. But Matt Cardona has done more to promote that title than... Than arguably anyone, like he is doing PBR commercials, like he's on Twitter, like tipping the hell out of him being champion. And it's like his,
2: his Twitter post where he was sitting there with a bottle of cleaner, like Simple Green yes. or something, and a rag. He's like, "I'm gonna clean this belt up because I don't know what it's been through." Yes, laughed myself sick.
3: He did. You see the tweet that he did where he he did a list, uh, a la Cody. Like a few years back, when Cody left the the WWE, he's like, I made a list of like all the people I want to wrestle. He did the same. uh, Matt Cardona did the same type of thing, but it was like, uh, you know, things I want to do in the next like you know few weeks. And one of them was like give Nick Gage a action figure. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's it's obviously like he's trolling, but it's also as much as you like don't like may not like the guy, and I know a friend of the show Christy Petrillo does not care for him, but.
0: That's because Chris I, has to pay more, has to pay the Matt Cardona premium for action figures all the time.
3: He, he doesn't though. Matt he's Matt Cardona and, and Chris I think are feuding over like the action figures. And and from things that Chris has shared like Matt Cardona seems to be like kind of like a dick with regards to the his little action figure toys. But uh he's done more to like promote Game Changer wrestling than
0: anything. than
3: arguably Game Changer wrestling has ever done for itself. Uh he's yeah, he's taken he's taken the role of like I'm you guys may be champion I'm gonna like promote the shit out of your company.
0: Like it's and it makes them look good that someone that you know was a big star at one point came in won your title and he seems to really be digging it.
3: Oh, he's not shitting on it. He's like he's in in his own. It's obviously he's playing like the gimmick, but he is he is he is honestly doing more to promote that, that company than, than anyone. He is working hard. He's like everywhere on his Twitter. He's like, and, and I guess his IG and other places he's showing up with the belt. He's like showing the belt. He's promoting the hell out of it.
2: And he's um, doing it in this way that is so heelish to the fans in that company that the payoff is going to be huge. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing bit of work on that front.
3: Yes. And he's he I mean, it's it's kind of like heel work and it's like a wink and a nod where it's like, oh, I'm going to finally make this belt pres- like respectable. But yeah. he's like, he's he's promoting it. The title. He's he's not like whatever this belt. He's like, I'm the you, you're you're <laughs> you're all going to be proud of me as GCW champion. And he's like showing up the fucking Disneyland and all this with the belt. It's <laughs> I hate to say it. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic work. <laughs> and I like. I like actually Game Changer. Game Changer has kinda of quietly taken over the reins from from companies like P W G as uh kind of like a the indie to watch. Uh P W G has just come back, so like they
0: They were they were losing steam before the pandemic though, unfortunately.
3: Well and, and unfortunately like WWE like stole all their talent.
0: Well the problem the problem they had is so what happened is when WWE hoarded talent, so they took mm-hmm. they took the guys that should, that should have been signed up. Like, they took your Owens. Like, you know, the big guys, they expect to get signed up. But when they started hoarding talent, they came through and they stole out that next generation of guys. So not only did you lose your top stars, you lost, like, the heir-apparents that you had been grooming to take their place. So then you had to go down even further to try and... And um, get your cards full. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It, it. Not only did you take your top of the card, you took the guys you're building, and you're you're left with like your carton jerkers. Yeah. Mm. Sort of stuff. Yeah. It, it's. It. That's tough. That's tough. All right. Well, guys, I think we've kind of about hit the end of the road for this one. Um. But it was fun. It was fun. So. We want to say to everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. We'd love to hear from you on social media. Was there a WCW angle that you really loved that we didn't talk about, that you would like to hear us talk about? If you got requests, hit us up on our social media platform platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters, you're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.